The Fat Boy Show. You're listening to The Fat Boy Show right here on RX Radio. And as the presidential election draws near, it's way more important for us than ever to fully understand what it is that the candidates are promising, what they stand for, and what they are offering the voters as they prepare to cast their vote in the 2021 presidential elections. This morning on The Fat Boy Show, we are honored to be speaking to the FDC flag bearer in the 2021 presidential race, Mr. Patrick Oboy Amuriat. He is also known as POA by his admirers. He's 57 years old, a civil engineer, livestock farmer, and a progressive politician. He joined active competitive politics in 1994, first contesting during the constituency assembly elections. And then in 1996, Patrick Oboy Amuriat was the official interpreter and campaign chief for opposition presidential candidate Paul Kawanga Semogerere in Iteso and in the Karamoja subregion. Later on, as an MP, Patrick Amuriat was part of the Parliamentary Advocacy Forum. He served as Member of Parliament for 15 years, from 2001 to 2016, and he also chaired the Committees of Science and Technology and Commissions of Statutory Authorities and State Enterprises. And then on the 24th of November 2017, Patrick Amuriat was named FDC Party President, making him the third president after Major General Gregory Mugisha Muntu and uh, Dr. Kiza Besije. Welcome to the Fat Boy Show, sir. Mr. Patrick Oboy Amuriat. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. I am happy to be on this platform. I'm really delighted uh, to be speaking to the world uh, from where we have stayed in the field in Bogiri municipality and um, really getting ready to hit the road in the hinterlands of the Busoga region. Uh, it's really has been a very fantastic time, uh, albeit the disruptions that we have uh, encountered and endured uh, during this uh, very, very difficult political terrain, almost unprecedented in uh, the history of this country where there are really so many restrictions and the authorities breathing over our necks all the time, torturing the population and getting on the nerves of uh, many. Yes, that is really an account of, a brief account of what is going on here. Well, uh, right from the beginning, you've been going through a hard time. Uh, it would seem as though uh, the authorities have a special interest in you and your campaign as you traverse the country to spread your message. You have often encountered uh, some uh, hostility from the security forces. Um, most recently, the time where you were accused of trying to knock a DPC uh, as uh, you were traveling on a border border to your campaign destination. Can you tell us about that incident in particular? Well, first of all, just to say that um, when I got into this race, they uh, underrated me. They thought, you know, I wouldn't pull off anything. Uh, it looks like I was just accompanying the other people. Uh, they never even noticed my credentials. So really, the kind of energy that the FD has uh, put into this, uh, but their candidate and the momentum that it has, it has created is certainly a surprise to most political pundits in, uh, in this country. And I think that um, that surprise attack on uh, Mr. Museveni's uh, uh, hold onto power is something that makes him 
uh, a little bit surprised and has had him to change certain things. That's that's them. And talking about all the kind of incidents, of course, it's not well. It's, it's worth noting that um, I have been arrested five times now ever since I began um, this campaign, and the very first time was on the very day of the nomination. Uh, in full view of the cameras when I was forcefully hounded you know, from the presence of our offices in Najanamkumbi in Kampala and forcefully taken to the nomination venue without my nomination papers and, and also, you know, shoeless. And, you know, for the first time in the history of this country, I, a presidential candidate appears at the nomination in a shabby manner and without shoes, uh, without even being recognized as being in that state by the electoral commission that went ahead to nominate me shamelessly in the way I, I was. Uh, and so then uh, the military and uh, the police set out to uh, inconvenience me everywhere that we went. And this incident in um, Barara was an incident where my vehicle was blocked. The entire convoy was blocked from accessing at the venue of uh, our campaign that day. And as they did this, we noticed plain clothes people who were armed, whose presence in that particular scene was not understood by us. And so this was a defensive mechanism, getting on a motorcycle, a taxi, uh, commonly known as border borders here, was an option for me to escape from what I thought was a dangerous situation um, or created by people unknown to me and are not identifiable to my group. And then we find the DPC standing on the way of a motorcycle. This was really an accident uh, that happened to him, but also it was as a result of his negligence. He really seemed not to care for his own life. And I think that although we regret uh, what happened to uh, the DPC of Umbarara, it was entirely his fault and a creation of this of of of, of that accident. He invited this to himself. I, I must say. Okay, so it's not as though you instructed the border border to run over him. You know, my demeanor is of a person who is calm, a person who recognizes other people, who respects other people, and people who would know me would never believe. Any allegation to the effect that uh, I uh, intended any harm on uh, the uh, DPC. And so really, to place this on me is really just victimizing a person who is innocent. And uh, it seems to not stop there. Um, Recently, you were summoned by the Electoral Commission. You were supposed to go there together with your uh, co-presidential candidate, uh, Bobby Wine, who also uh, was accused of in some way flouting, uh, you know, election... uh, procedures and regulations and uh, SOPs and that sort of thing. Till now, you've not uh, appeared at the Electoral Commission in response to the summons. Are you intending to go there at all? Well, yes, I am. But uh, at a time when I have got time to do it, it needs to be recognized that I am a candidate for political party, the Forum for Democratic Change. And the moment this happened, I became the property of the FDC. It's also worthwhile noting that uh, every candidate has who does business on behalf of that candidate. Now, it's very strange that the Electoral Commission would like me to appear in person, yet I belong to an institution. Uh, the first someone 
when it was made to us found me way out of Kampala over about 500 kilometers away from the capital city of Kampala and expect me to drive that distance at my expense and also leaving my program which is a stringent program uh, unattended to was being unrealistic on the part of our friends in the electoral commission but nonetheless a delegation of um, the party did go and i think the electoral commission was not satisfied with that delegation uh, they have someone need to go at the electoral commission today with someone i am not going to respect i have actually just completed a handwritten a letter that will be circulated shortly to the electoral commission saying to them i cannot attend uh, the meeting of today because i have engagements that the electoral commission is very much aware of uh, indeed i think they need to understand that um, uh, the program that has been issued to them by the fdc and signed off by the electoral commission is one that we are going to follow and that program is an indication that uh, the only available day is uh, christmas day that is the 25th of december this year and i have indicated in my handwritten letter that i'll be available to appear before the commission uh, at 11 o'clock onwards 11 a.m that is onwards and i hope that the electoral commission respects me as a candidate and that they also recognize the pride that we have and also get to understand that the amount of time that is given to every candidate to traverse the entire country is very small we go to two and three quarters of district a day and, and that is really very 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 tough for us especially given uh, the interruption by the police and also the poor road network and the breakages that we are experiencing okay. but i really do not know how my friends uh, the Honorable uh, Robert Shavulani found time. We are different people. Maybe he feels comfortable, you know, uh, setting his program aside and, and going ahead to meet with the Electoral Commission. Uh, really also the purpose of this um, meeting is something that is extremely suspicious. For me, I think it is meant to uh, get us out of the campaign and um, divert our attention from our core business at, at this moment and if the honorable robert chaglani chose to go to attend uh, this meeting it, it's really their schedule um, our schedule is not dependent on the schedule of any other candidate so long as it has been accepted by the electoral commission and that there is no conflict uh, of programs when we get to the field okay now unfortunately uh, and i feel you sense this also that much of the time is spent you discussing the difficulty you're having with your campaign rather than the actual substance of your campaign, the message, the policies. Do you feel frustrated that the media doesn't pay as much attention or even the wider public on the issues that need to be discussed, on the ideas and on the plans that the candidates have? Instead, mostly we're discussing how the government is dealing with the candidates. Do you feel that that is unfortunate or deliberate? Well, yes, indeed. You're spot on on that. I think that it's extremely unfortunate that uh, the issues are not coming out as they should have uh, come out but that said we have been in this business for quite a long time and an individual as you have uh, not to listeners 
I have been in this thing for nearly 30 years now. Three decades is not a short time in politics. And lately also been around the country uh, saying to people what we came to power. Um, that I have been in campaigns for presidential flag bearers, supporting them since 1996 and in the campaign of the of 2016. Uh, that means that together with the very recent campaigns that we've been engaged in for, for four years, ever since 2016, we have reached out to the public and, and say to them, stated our agenda very clearly to them, and our agenda is recognizable. We do not uh, look like the new players in, in this thing. We, we are old people in this game, mm-hmm. and um, people know us. But right. that said also, we have a very well and neatly put together manifesto. I think let us talk about that now, because, you know, a lot of people I talk to, I ask them, what do you know about Patrick Amoriat? And they'll tell me, oh, I know that he doesn't wear shoes and I know that he knocked a DPC. That's all they know about. That's all some people know about you. So let's uh, let's disabuse them of their ignorance and let's get to the nitty gritty of the actual issues you're campaigning on in this presidential race. So, Patrick Amuriat, what is your plan for the people of Uganda if you are elected president? Our manifesto is premised on uh, three pillars. And uh, the first pillar is the pillar of a transitional government. Uh, second pillar is the pillar of um, the post-COVID interventions. And the last pillar is a pillar of a comprehensive uh, social economic agenda or framework. And uh, talking about each of these pillars very briefly, uh, pillar number one is premised on the fact that the FDC, when it wins, is not going to take power for itself alone. We are going to involve uh, a number of stakeholders, including some people within the ruling government, who will then provide uh, services and ideas on how to transit from the 35 years of a Yoel Museveni distortion uh, that has caused a lot of things to happen. And within this pillar, uh, the FDC government that will now have other players coming in will be doing basically four, five things. The first we will be doing is to ensure that there is unity in the country. We are going to bring the country together through truth-telling, justice and reconciliation. Our country is very, very much divided at the moment on a number of fault lines and we think that it is necessary for us to pull back the country together. The second matter that we'll be tackling within uh, this particular pillar is to rewrite our constitution that has been largely adulterated using force and money. And um, uh, key in this is to reduce the powers of the president, but also to restore term and age limits that Mr. Museveni uh, forcefully removed and has uh, been used to propagate his uh, Uh, extend his existence in power. Now, the third issue that we'll be doing during uh, this transitional period is to rebuild our institutions. These institutions have faced state capture. They are a property of Mr. Museveni, and we seek as uh, the FDC 
to uh, remove this capture of the state of institutions so that the institutions are independent. And then fourthly, we are going to uh, appropriate at least 50% of the total budget to local governments to undertake their work. And after that is done, and this is going to take a period of five years, we will conduct free, fair and credible elections. Now on pillar number two, which is uh, livelihoods, livelihoods on the, in the post-COVID period, we recognize that COVID has had its toll on a lot of areas in our economy. Uh, micro, small and medium enterprises have collapsed, there's been unemployment, tourism has gone down, there's lack of a framework, border border cyclists or taxis have suffered, agricultural sector, health sector, transport sector, education sector have all, you know, co collapsed and uh, are limping, uh, so to say. So we, we really want to have a bailout of um, a number of uh, uh, sectors um, and especially to return people back to their feet. And so we are offering to every um, household 100,000 shillings uh, per month for six months, beginning May when we take over power, try to help them mitigate uh, the COVID situation. Are you still there? I'm here, sir. Yes. And then things like rent, you know, we're going to give some concessions on rent. Uh, we're also going to be paying for uh, power tariffs um, uh, that uh, people have suffered. We're going to be, you know, doing some work in the manufacturing area. All employees laid off in the manufacturing industry will have 75% of their salaries met by the government uh, for three months. Uh, of the uh, COVID lockdown period. And, you know, we go on and on, try to make interventions in, in this area. Mm -hmm. uh, we're also going to do interventions in the health area where we will be, you know, looking at uh, the losses that the health sector has suffered and mitigating those losses. Education too, especially those uh, entrepreneurs who invest in education and have had to bear the loss of the schools closing down, unfortunately, due to COVID-19. Now, the last pillar is the medium and long-term development agenda uh, of the country. And this is where we're going to be looking at areas of agriculture. Agriculture is going to uh, be boosted uh, by increasing uh, the uh, percentage budget given to agriculture from 3% that it has stood at for a very very long time mm -hmm. to 10 percent uh, that the fdc government is going to offer clean water and environment you know clean environment we are going to devolve power and in devolution of power we will be uh, running uh, a federal kind of states and regional governments at the same time and putting in more resources uh, to regional governments we're going to ask for debt relief uh, our debt today stands at 46.8 trillion shillings. Mm -hmm. and, and this is not very, very comfortable uh, for uh, any economy. Uh, and so we're going to be working on uh, asking for debt relief from countries that have borrowed um, from uh, Uganda. And some of the debts that Mr. Museveni's administration has mishandled may be considered odious debts. And, and you know, we're going to ask those uh, governments that have lent to us uh, to forfeit, forfeit some wow. of the 
the, the money that uh, uh, they have given to Mr. Museveni that have gone into wasteful expenditure. So the list is really wrong. It is indeed. Um, I, I, I believe that um, um, it would be proper for um, anybody to take interest in reading our manifesto. But we've got so many items, including our foreign service, uh, housing, health, uh, interventions, energy and power, uh, the education system. We're going to be raising Uganda's democratic credentials and really making it a truly democratic country. We're going to be addressing sports and creative arts and then you know the forces the armed forces making it a truly national institution not an institution that is under the command and direction of an individual so yes that is really what we intend to do for the people of uganda and it will be interesting for uh, uh, our listeners to look at our 66 uh, page manifesto uh, that is rich with information. It is. I mean, uh, your ideas seem to be really fleshed out and fully developed, and I and I must commend you. Um, you would be the first candidate we've spoken to on this program so far who's had a good grasp of the issues they're presenting and is able to present it in a, in a very concise and uh, effective manner. So. You know, that manifesto definitely seems like you know, it's worth taking a look. And so for those who would be interested, where can they go to find it? Well, we have got uh, the manifesto on our website and it's uh, www.fdc.ug. Uh, it's really a rich manifesto. You know, I, I this manifesto is... Uh, on, like on the back of like the back of my hand, I really understand it because <laughs> yeah, uh, we've we've developed developed it, and I have been part and parcel of those who developed this manifesto. It's so far the best manifesto. It's it's brief. It's it's easy to read, and places our commitment to the people of Uganda in very, very clear terms. And I'm quite happy to be the one really carrying this manifesto uh, to the people of Uganda. So they can visit our website, www.fdc.ug and find everything that is necessary for us uh, to participate in the building of a new Uganda, which is really the the top most priority we want to build a new Uganda. And I'm now very happy that uh, unlike other manifestos that has a big face of uh, the presidential candidate on the top page, our own manifesto has got uh, this a lean-looking person uh, beaten by the police and harassed, walking barefoot, no. you know, from the uh, nomination. I have a question for you, and I, I don't know if this, if this is unique to FDC, but uh, FDC leaders have a way of, I guess, sticking to particular imagery uh, that is reflective of oppression, and they seem to then want to make this a permanent part of their identity. So, uh, not, so just just quite. just a moment, please. So, for example, if you look at uh, Kizabesije, after that one incident where he was uh, pepper sprayed in his car and brutally uh, arrested, 
and he happened to be wearing a certain blue hooded t-shirt that day. Now everywhere he goes, even many, many years later, today if he speaks in public, he will still be wearing that blue hooded t-shirt as if to remind us of what happened. You, on the other hand, to remind us that you had to show up for nominations without your shoes, now you are traversing the country without your shoes. I don't know, do you like to wear oppression as a, as a glory symbol? Uh, not quite. Actually, if we had to uh, portray the entire picture of what we are going through, then we'll have volumes and volumes of uh, books that uh, give that imagery. <clears throat> but uh, what we rep- what we show is symbolic of what is going on in, in the country today. And, you know, for example, this barefoot revolutionary campaign is... Uh, has got three tenets. The first is servant leadership. You know, that is humble. It's humility to the people. The other one is associating with the kind of uh, troubles that our country has gone through. You know, our country that is largely peasantry that has suffered neglect for all this period of of time. Thirdly, is to really... um, demonstrate to the authority that torture is not the way to go and and so a tortured man you know beaten up walking barefoot would be symbolic of all these we do not want to win any sympathy from the public but you know as a matter of fact we are showing to the public that we have now reached a stage where we are facing a fully blown dictatorship that the Ugandan population should never tolerate okay. and should never bring back to their lives. All right. Now, I would like to ask you if your views have changed with regards to the method of political engagement. Uh, when you look at uh, what has happened to FDC over the last several years, most notably the split that occurred when uh, General Mugisha Muntu left the party to start his own organization, the rift was as a result of difference in methods where he was more of, or at least according to him, was more of a peaceful engagement, whereas a faction which you are a part of and led was more thinking in terms of more civil uh, disobedience and more aggressive you know, methods of engagement. So are you still thinking in those terms? Uh, in terms of civil disobedience and resistance rather than peaceful engagement uh, with the government? I, I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, Mugisha Muntu's pronouncements were just a scapegoat uh, to his wanting to advance his own political agenda. <clears throat> because one would ask, if this were true, why would he wait for an election where he is defeated in, in order to quit as the party? Uh, this, these are really questions and unfortunately also a creation of uh, uh, the media. You in the media have not been fair to the FDC. And uh, I dare to say that um, um, we are ready to listen to everybody uh, who, is, um, uh, who has got a view and really doesn't matter what that view is so long as it's acceptable to uh, the body politic of, of the FDC. Now, to talk about defiance as being uh, linked from organization is again losing the point. In order for you to carry any successful activities, you first of all should be able to uh, recruit, uh, conscientize, uh, organize, and then take action. All of these you know, are interlinked. And I think this is the point that General Monto has avoided uh, to say to the people of Uganda, he had to wait to, and his group had to wait to be defeated in an election that was free and fair 
for them to begin making these claims and, and walking out of, of out of the party. I think that uh, the, the media and uh, the group that has now joined and should be fair to the FDC, we have kept going and we will do things in accordance with aspirations okay. of uh, the membership of the FDC, not according to the wishes of any other person. Let us now talk about uh, a new development uh, from the Uganda Communications Commission. Uh, we, we saw the other day that uh, they wrote to Google asking them to block uh, up to 14 channels on uh, a video streaming site known as YouTube, accusing these channels of broadcasting messages that, according to the UCC, are likely to compromise national security, incite violence, and so forth. Um, what is your view on this uh, letter from UCC? And do you feel that uh, you will be targeted, your campaign? Is this a way you think of, uh, of trying to limit the voices that are representative of uh, the opposition? The uh, actions of the UCC are a manifestation of uh, a dictatorship. That is how a dictator operates. It gags. It does not allow people to speak out to the population. Actually, it, it, the, the media is, is going to be targeted. I'm surprised that uh, they haven't been clamped down upon at the moment. Just like we are being stopped from going to uh, the population. And... Um, it's, it's common knowledge in my country that the UCC is one of the institutions that have been captured by the dictator. It works according to the whims of the dictator. And I'm not surprised that uh, they are writing such awkward letters, stopping people from speaking, interrupting, and, and passing information from one person to another. Uh, this is not going to be the first time it has happened in an election time. Uh, if uh, listeners will recall, in 2016, the same happened. Uh, indeed, many times we have been pulled out of radio stations and sometimes violently as, as we are on air. I, I do remember that uh, a few weeks ago, while in a remote district of Akako, I, I was speaking on radio, not knowing that I, I was only being attended to the public by the public for 15 minutes. The rest of the time, I was speaking to myself. Oh, really? And, uh, yes, <laughs> yes. I, I didn't realize that. And <laughs> this, this is really what is happening. So, even within the harassment mm -hmm. that we are facing, Mr. Museveni has no chance of winning this election. He can only win the election by manipulation. He can only win the election by rigging and altering results. And, you know, the consequences of uh, doing such actions is really dire to the stability of this country. All right. Well, at least the uh, UCC is allowing us to have this conversation. So I'm, I'm happy for that. <laughs> well, I don't know whether they are going to come up against you, but I hope that Google does not respond to this nonsense of uh, a person who wants to keep in power endlessly who wants to die in power, they should give Ugandans a break. This is really very important. If they want a stable country, and, you know, it's, it, it could be very devastating if people are stopped from talking. What is the alternative? That is true. That's, uh, that's uh, definitely something for people to consider. Uh, and so are you optimistic about your chances of winning the election? Uh, do you think it's going to be a, a free and fair election? And do you think you have the support to be able to carry you through the across the line into the presidency? The FDC has the support. It has overwhelming countrywide support. And you can see this and you can feel it as you go around. You know, campaigning, we've been uh, to the most remote parts of, of the country. By the way, our campaign is unique. 
uh, completely different from the campaigns of the other presidential candidates in the sense that we have gone to the villages we are trying to reach the last person and so far it's uh, paying dividends we are so hopeful of winning the election as the fdc what and, and we have done this before incidentally uh, in, 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 in 2016 we actually won was important the question that you should be asking now is whether we will be announced winner and if we announce winner some seven would willingly hand over power to me so it sounds to me like uh, in some way you are trusting that the system will work and that all things uh, all factors remaining constant you have a good chance of winning so then why do you accuse the system of being flawed if you have enough faith in it to be willing to run within it well, the result that we may have may not be the same as the result that the, the system is going to publish. And this happened in um, 2016 when we were allocated 37% of uh, the votes. And yet, in actual sense, we have a record indicating that we won by 52.8%. So there's a disparity between the two, what we have and what the system has. And there's evidence that uh, there was a lot of manipulation. And if you like to know, we attacked uh, premises in Naguru in uh, Kampala, which was the clearing house for all the data uh, being brought in from the field offices at the district tally centers. And, you know, this may happen again. But, you know, with terrible consequences to the perpetrators of this. Okay. Now, my final question is, um, do you feel as though some people allege that there are some members, uh, some some candidates who are running in this presidential race who might be there representing the interests of uh, the government? Uh, Do you believe that some candidates are plants, as some people are alleging? I am not surprised if this would happen. You know, in the past it has happened. Uh, we am studying my colleagues in this race just to place a finger on this, uh, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Mr. Museven is such a manipulative creature uh, who would want to take opportunity and advantage of uh, people's desperate situation to to win uh, over power by hook or crook. So I would not be surprised if uh, we had some uh, minor minor minors what is the word some people who are you know Minion. really political, <laughs> politically weak uh-huh. uh, who who would want to uh, participate uh for the sake of uh Museveni. and and you know i think he's a, a very cunning person he 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 has prepared for a possibility of us pulling out you know, over, over this 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 process here, especially if we continue to be harassed. But, you know, if the main players pulled out and some independent who has not even got the slightest chance of getting 0.0005% decides to keep on uh, running, then that would be to advantage, disadvantage of um, Mr. Museveni. At the moment, we cannot agree in mass to, to leave the contest or boycott the election because I am sure that some amongst our number will want to continue with uh, the contest, uh, whatever form it takes. Okay, now ac- now this is going to be my actual final it, question. Some have said that the opposition should have uh, joined together and put forward a you know a united front. 
with a single candidate that this would have increased your chances of defeating the incumbent do you feel that uh, as you know running as a divided team that essentially you make it more likely that the incumbent will sail through to victory in the next election I think that is just uh, some kind of propaganda by by the NRM, and uh, maybe wishful thinking by some of the people who are within the ranks of um, uh, the opposition. Now there are three things that need to come out very very clearly on this. Uh, maybe four. Number one is that we have always participated in attempts to curb united opposition, but we've been betrayed by our colleagues. Uh, this brings me to the other three issues. Number one, the issue of trust. You know, whom are we operating with? Many political groups are very, very heavily infiltrated. So we can never tell whether they are proxies of uh, the ruling party who want to come in some kind of uh, a united opposition that is never going to work. Number two, we need to know what uh, the strategies and intentions or um, w- what people expect, the expectation every, of every player within uh, the uh, coalition if it ever happens. And thirdly, we, it's important for us to know what each and every one brings on the table. Now, if you are bringing nothing to uh, the table and not uh, increasing on the momentum, then why do we coalesce with you? Okay. So those are the three areas that need to be explored critically. We have burnt our fingers before. Uh, they had, the last attempts at uh, coming together was during the TDA, where we didn't really know we were talking to uh, NRM w- within the opposition. <laughs> and and, and you, you know that uh, the former vice president came back to Kenya, who was uh, even being discussed as a possible uh, joint uh, candidate, uh, has since gone back to NRM. Mbapazi has still, since gone back to NRM. Betty Kamia is a minister in the NRM. So, you know, it's really so clouded that uh, we cannot understand whether uh, players within the opposition are truly opposition or not. We can only trust ourselves because we know ourselves okay. better. Well, thank you very much, uh, Patrick Oboy Amuriat, presidential candidate uh, in the running to become our next president. He's contesting with 11 other candidates vying for the top spot, the highest ten office other, in the ten other candidates, and thank you very much for bringing me to this show. <laughs> thank you so much uh, for speaking to us, and uh, good luck in your campaign, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye.